here this morning. We thank and praise God for his depressive Holy Ghost. We pray that God will allow the Spirit to speak through me. And last week we left off in 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, with the greatest king that Israel had known besides Christ, King David. King David had sinned a great sin. And so God deals with David. All David had to do was confess his sins to God and put it into the hands of God. This morning we're going to take a look at the 12th chapter. And we're going to try and walk our way back up to where David makes his great mistake. In chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, we get what David should have done initially. Verse 13 says, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. Howbeit because of thy, this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. This morning I'd like to take for a subject, covering or confessing, the choice is yours. David has sinned a great sin. He has taken another man's wife, has impregnated her, and then took that man's life. David simply just needed to go to God and confess his sin. But David, much like some of us, or should I say all of us, have a tendency to want to cover our sins rather than confessing our sins. And we learned this from Adam and Eve. Because back in the garden, when they sinned against God, all they really needed to do was to confess it. But what did we see? We see them sew together fig leaves to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. And even when God approached them in the garden, they still did not confess it. They began to blame others. Adam said, it's the woman that thou hast given me. The woman said it was the serpent. And so we have a tendency to either cover our sins or blame other folk for our sinfulness. There's two things I want you to understand from this text here. The first thing that I want you to understand is that be careful how you judge David about this sin that he committed. Because all of us could be in the same place as David. As a matter of fact, all of us find ourselves in David's shoes. No, you may have not have taken another man's wife. You may not have committed murder. But understand that all of our sin stinks in the nostrils of God. The problem with the church is that, that, that we have the big sin, little sin syndrome. And most of us find ourselves in the little sin syndrome. 
And so therefore, most of the time, we ignore those sins. And we never even confess them before God. And they sit there and they fester and they fester until they turn into something even more greater. Because if you will not deal with your sin, if you will not confess your sin, the Bible says that death comes. And instead of us covering up our sins, we need to go to God and confess it. But understand that this is not even really about David, because we have a tendency sometimes to treat other folks' sin differently than we treat our own sin. We, 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 we have a tendency to be more judgmental on other folk, not understanding that we'll be judged with the same judgment that we judge others with. So to understand, we, we, we need to treat all sin like it's sin. And that it stinks in the nostrils of God. And it will bring forth death. The problem is that God is merciful. And he's gracious. Which leads me to the second thing that I want you to see in this text. This text, you know, it, really, it really puts David's life and his, his darkest moments on display. And there are times that we get lost in that, seeing David sin and wondering how could David do something like this? We look at this. We make our judgment. But the second thing I want you to see in this text is the God factor. That God is who he is. And he says in his word, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy upon. And you need to see that God is having mercy upon a man who has uh, sinned, this great sin. Which leads to us. That I don't care how far you go, how far you fall, God is still willing to pick you up and to lift you up out of it if you would just confess. If you would just go to God and say, yes, God, I've sinned. And I need your forgiveness. That's not what David did. So let's walk this back. After David sinned, instead of confessing, David comes up with a plan. And one of the worst things you can do is begin to plan out how you're going to get around sin. Because not only do you involve yourself but you begin to involve other people as well. And that's what we see in this text. For we see that David sins for Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba. Now understand that Uriah is in the trenches with the men. He's in the trenches with Joab and he's fighting for Israel's sake. He is an honorable man, a valiant man. And he's a man of integrity. David calls him back to the rear from the, from, from, from the fighting because he has a plan. David figures that if, that if he calls him back in and gives him the opportunity to go home to be with his wife, that it would, he could blame this on Uriah. He said, this is Uriah's child. 
So he has his plan. Now he's involving other people because he calls Uriah home. He inquires about the war. Like David really wanted to know how the war was going. Because if David really wanted to know how the war was going, he would have been in the battle with his men. He wouldn't be taking his rest back in the palace. This is what got David in trouble in the first place. Because he was out of position. But notice how David is trying to do the same thing with Uriah. Because he takes Uriah out of his position of being there with Joab and the rest of the men. And he brings him back home and tempts him with the same thing that David was tempted with. The only difference is that Bathsheba is Uriah's wife. And it would not have been a sin for Uriah to go in and lie with his wife. But on the other hand, it was a sin against God and against Bathsheba and against Uriah for him to sleep with her. So the consequences of that is the child, and he's trying to cover up for the child. His sin. But look at Uriah. He sends him home. He gives him food to take home. Uriah, go home and, and have a nice romantic meal with your wife. Set the tone. And go on in to her. But the Bible says that Uriah slept with the servants. He would not even go home. Now understand that there was, a, there, there was an unspoken rule that, 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 that while the men were at war, that they would not have sexual relations with their wives. And perhaps this is what Uriah is thinking. How can I go and, and have relations with my wife? And the men are out on the battlefield. And that's exactly what he tells David. This, this must have been bone chilling to David. Because when he gets the news that Uriah did not go home, he takes counsel with Uriah one more time. He said, why didn't you go home with your wife? He said, he said how can I go home to be with my wife? When the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. My Lord Joab is still out on the battlefield along with my, my compadres. How can I go home to be with her? This cuts like hot, butter, hot knife through butter with David. It cuts him to his heart. I can only imagine that, 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 that David, every time he looks in Uriah's eyes, he is convicted. Because understand this, that Uriah is everything that David used to be. Uriah was David looking himself back in his face. Because David was once a man of integrity, just like this Uriah. But now he finds himself in a hot mess. And he's put together this plan. That was only phase one of the plan. He commands David to go home, and David refuses. The second effort is that, that he coerces David to go home. He tells Uriah, come and sit with me at meat. Let us have dinner together. 
And he gives Uriah food to eat. But he also gives him wine. And you all know what wine do, do to us, right? We can blame it on the alcohol. He gets, wants to get Uriah drunk. To drink of the wine that he might be able to go home and be with his wife. David is sinking to a new low. Seems like every verse, David seems to get lower and lower and lower. How low can you go? Well, David's going to show you how low. Because after getting Uriah drunk, after encouraging him and coercing him to go home and to sleep with his wife, that he might cover up his sin, Uriah has enough sense to again get around it and sleep with the servants. Stay there. He would not go home. Because Uriah wouldn't obey David's command, because he would not bow down to the coercion of David, David has no other alternative but to kill him. This, this, this is King David. This, this is the man after God's own heart. This is the man that, that, that God gave great victories to. David, how in the world could you betray God in this manner? How, how, how can you forget all of the blessing that God had given you? All the Psalms that you've written for the Lord. How, how is it that you can go back on that? Understand, brothers and sisters, that all of us have a low. Every last one of us have a low. Every last one of us have a bottom. And David is vastly approaching the bottom. He's not there yet. Because even beyond this, David goes even lower. And so David writes a letter telling Joab to put Uriah in the heat of the battle. And then when the battle is at its hottest point, withdraw yourself from him that he may die. And he gives it to Uriah to deliver to Joab himself. David gives him the letter to deliver his own death sentence. Now that's low. Uriah was a trusted man of David's. He was one of David's 30 valiant men. But yet David would treat him with such contempt just that he might cover up his sin. Understand that we don't know what would have happened if David had just confessed his sin. God would be faithful and just to cleanse him from all of his unrighteousness. Because that's what the, that's what the Bible tells us. If we would just confess. Confess means to, that we are to come in agreement with what God has said. That we're to declare openly what the Bible says concerning our sins. That we're all to confess our sins. The problem with most of us is that, 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 that we won't own our sins as being sins. And before you can confess your sin, you got to own it. 
Stop justifying our sinfulness. Stop looking for ways of escape out of our sinfulness. Because ultimately, God will deal with you. The truth be told, you confess one way or the other. Because just like David, when God took the sheep off of his sin and uncovered his sin by the prophet Nathan, David then and only then confessed. So he sends Uriah back with this letter. And Joab receives the letter and immediately begins to put the plan into action. Now look at this. This started with David. He went and got Bathsheba. Then he brought in Uriah. And now he's bringing in Joab into his sinister plan to cover up his sin. You see, because brothers and sisters, when you sin, another sin will follow it. When you try to cover it up, you got to sin again and again and again and again. God is saying, all you need to do is confess it. Bring it to me. I'll take care of it. And understand that, that even in God's forgiveness, there will still be consequences for some of our sins. God, God, God does not let us get off scot-free. There's still some sin that I mourn over to this day. I wonder how in the world could I have been so stupid? How could I fail for that? Because I'm too busy covering my sin. And covering my sin took me deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. To where I had nowhere else to look but up. Couldn't look to anybody else. Nothing brought me comfort. Nothing soothed my soul. It's like I had a black mark on my soul. I knew I was in sin. And I simply tried to cover it up. I would not repent. And understand that repentance seems to be a lost art in the church today. Because understand that there is no forgiveness without repentance. You've got to turn from your sin. The first thing is acknowledging it, then turn from your sin. What good is for God to, to forgive me and I'm going to just continue in the same sin over and over and over and over again? There's no need for God to forgive your sin if you're just going to cover it up. What we need to understand is that if we won't deal with our sin, judgment is coming. Judgment will fall upon us. And I understand that. So David sends Uriah and Joab does just as David tells him. He puts Uriah in the heat of the battle. And notice what the text says. The text said that not only did Uriah die, but there were other men that died as well. 
So now David has a whole lot of other stuff that's coming up underneath the umbrella of his sin. Because David's decree that Uriah must die, other folk have died as well. Listen here, be careful because your sin will not only affect you, but it will kill other people as well. It will kill their spirit. It will kill their dreams. It will kill their hopes. It will kill their destiny. And our sins affect our families. It affects the people that we love the most. That's why we must confess them. We must open it up. And let God deal with it. Because he's the only one that can deal with our sinfulness. We failed epically to deal with our own sin. So David brings in other people are suffering because of David's sin. So Joab sends word back to David. And he tells him that many men have died in the battle, but so has Uriah. And David says something very peculiar to me because he sends word back to Joab and he tells Joab to be encouraged. This is just a casualty of war. People are going to die in war. He said, Uriah, the Hittite, is dead also. David feels a sense of relief. I can see him now. He said, I've gotten away with this. But understand that Bathsheba mourns over her husband's death. Which leads me to believe that she was not a co-conspirator with David in this. But David breathes a sigh of relief. But look here, there, 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 there's some words here in the end of chapter number 11 that really resonate with me. Listen here, it says, and when, in verse 26, it says, and when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead. She mourned for her husband. But this is key. And when the mourning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. David wasted no time. David felt like I'm getting what I want. Bathsheba was beautiful. And I would love to have her as my wife. There's only one thing standing in between us, and that is Uriah. And so David takes her as his wife. But don't, don't sleep on the B portion of that scripture. He says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. God was not pleased with David. God was not pleased with what David had done. And any time that God is not pleased with you, he's going to deal with you. The reason why God was not pleased with David because David didn't have enough faith to come to God and confess his sins. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And we go to God and confess our sins by faith. I don't know what the consequences may be. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But God, I'm going to confess it to you and I'll leave the rest up to you, God. Because the reality of it is that whatever God gives us is better than what we deserve. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we deserve death for our sin. Which brings us to our text. Because God sends Nathan the prophet. And Nathan gives David a parable about a wealthy man who had plenty of sheep. And when he had guests, instead of taking his plentiful sheep and sacrificing them, he went and took this one man's ewe lamb, stole it from him, and prepared it as a feast for his guests. David was upset. He was enraged. He said, surely this man shall die. Not knowing that he was sealing his own fate. He said he'll give back four times what he took from this man. And Nathan has the unenviable task of looking in the king's face and say, you are the man, David. Thou art the man. You're the one. Hallelujah for David, for Nathan, who was able to speak truth to power. He told him the truth. He said, you took Bathsheba. You had six or seven wives that you could have chosen. But you decided to jump over the fence and take another man's wife. And have him executed. Shame on you, David. David said, I've sinned against the Lord. But Nathan tells him, he said, David, the Lord hath said, has put away your sins. And thou shalt not die. Hallelujah. That, that, that goes for us too. God has put away our sins. He put away our sins at Calvary's cross. He put away our sin by giving his life to become sin for us. And what we need to do is confess our sins. Let him know that we're sorry for the sins that we've committed. And we're willing to change. Let him change our lives. To turn from those sins. Every last one of us needs to confess daily to God. For the Bible says... That if you say that you have no sin, you make God a liar. Every last one of us sin every day. I know I do. And that's why I confess my sins. Why? Because I know that God is faithful to cleanse me of my sins. I know that he is. It's by faith I believe that. I trust that. That he's going to cleanse me of my sins. Why walk around? with the weight of sin on us when we can confess it. Stop trying to cover it up and agree with God that sin is sin. That I'm in sin. It's not a mistake. It's not an error in judgment. It's sin. We need to understand it's sin. 
missing the mark. It is doing that which is not pleasing in God's sight. And so here we see David confess. But understand this as well. Verse 14 says, how be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. That's what our sin does. Not does it, not does it just affect us, but it gives other people a reason or a cause to speak against the God in which we serve. They're looking at us as being believers. They're seeing how we're covering up our sin, how we're not confessing our sin. They see it. Understand that, that, that people in the world can see your sin even before you can. And they will judge you quicker than anybody. You're talking about the church judging you. No, the world will judge you. Because it makes them feel better about themselves. When they see sinners, when they see Christians living in sin or, or, or not living, but, but sinning, then it gives them occasion that, hey, I can get away with the same thing. He's a Christian. She's a Christian. And what we really ought to be doing is winning people for the cause of Christ. That's, that, that's what we're called to do. We're taught to confess our sin. Listen, let me tell you something. The world knows that we're not perfect. I know that I'm not perfect. I know you're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But I can deal with you as long as you're confessing your sin like I confess my sins. I acknowledge that I'm wrong. I know that I'm wrong. And it's much easier for me to say, Lord, forgive me. It's much easier for me to come to you and say, forgive me, I wronged you. It's easier for me than to try to defend it, to try and excuse it, because that burdens my heart. What we need to do is just confess it unto God. He's the only one that can do anything. He said it gives him occasion to blaspheme. But listen here, this is, this is, this is another death here. He said the child also which is born unto thee shall surely die. The consequences was there. David now has to bear the, the consequences of his sinfulness. And it did not stop there. Because David had covered his sin and not confessed it. God told Nathan, tell him that the sword will never depart from your house. In other words, violence would raise up against David right in his own family. He would have a son that would chase him out of the kingdom. The Lord gave his wives to his, his, his enemies that they might be able to have relations with them. David had tremendous problems and situations that he had to deal with. Here we see David, the man after God's own heart, had sinned a great sin, tried to cover it up and finally confesses it, David had been forgiven, but David would never be the same. There are some things that you cannot go back and recoup. There are some things that you cannot take back. That's why we're to be careful in what we say and what we do. 
Because there are some sins you cannot reverse. There are some sins you're going to have to live with in your mind. God throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, but we don't forget them. And it's a struggle sometimes because the devil keeps coming back and reminding us of those sins. He keeps telling us what we did wrong. So we need to confess. We need to submit ourselves to God. We need to surrender ourselves to God. There is forgiveness, church. God is seeking. He wants to forgive us. But it takes our repentance. It takes our asking and confessing. God will forgive. That's just the type of God that he is. God does not want to bring judgment upon you. He wants you to repent. He wants you to turn around. That's what God wants from us. So, Lord, I surrender. I give you what you require. I confess my sins. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And, God, I stand in need of your forgiveness. The forgiveness that can only come by the atoning death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. There's no other way for us to be forgiven apart from Jesus' sacrificial death upon the cross. There he came into this world through 42 generations that he might teach us how to live in this world according to God's perfect law. He's the only one that could live according to the perfect law of God. And that he did. He showed us the way. He gave us an example. But realizing that we're all fallen and we're all in this sinful nation, he gave up his life for us. He said, that's the reason why I came into this world, that I might give my life as a ransom for the world, the sins of the world. He gave his life. He hung him on this cross, on Calvary's cross. They nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet. He died on Calvary's cross for your sin and for my sin. They buried him in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That's the only way you can be forgiven of your sin is that you look to Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary and what he did. He shed blood for you. He gave up everything that you might have a right to the tree of life. He gave his very life for you. We keep trying to cover up our sin. Look at the awesome price that was paid for us. If we could cover our sin, there's never a need for Jesus to come and give his life. But he rose victoriously with all power of heaven and earth. And he sits at the right-hand side of God making intercession for us. He's praying for us. He's coming back again for his church without spot or wrinkle. So are you covering your sin? Or are you confessing your sin? The choice is yours. You live in misery when you cover it. You live in victory when you confess it. God wants victors to live victoriously in Christ Jesus. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.